Welcome to Coffee with the College, a podcast brought to you by the American College of Healthcare Executives, Wisconsin chapter. Our goal is for listeners to find this podcast as relaxing as coffee with friends and just as comfortable as our guests and observers banter about questions that are on all of our minds. I'm your host, Janet Schultz. I'm Chief Information Officer at a human services company called MyPath. Our observers today are Madeline Hansen, an operations manager in the Mayo Clinic Health System, Department of Family Medicine, and David Lolly, member of the ACHE Wisconsin Board and a childhood acquaintance of our guest. Today, our guest is Andrew Lamoris, President and CEO of Medics. Medics is a provider of workforce solutions for clients and candidates across healthcare life sciences, and technology industries. Given the focus of medics, our topic today is retaining talent. What got you here won't get you to the future. Welcome, Andrew. It's great to be here. Thank you very much. Well, thank you for saying yes to being a guest. Um, Madeline, David, could you uh, speak up and chime in so our listeners get to know your voices? Andrew, thank you so much for joining us today. It's great to have you. Looking forward to having coffee with you. Thank you. And Andrew, it is good to see you again, my friend. It's been a number of years, but I'm really looking forward to catching up and hearing what you have to say on these interesting topics today. David, besides a little gray hair, we we still look the same, but... (laughs) So to get us started, Andrew, can you tell us a bit about your career path and Medix's work? Yeah, my career path um, was uh, started in staffing. I I got a chance to come to Chicago from the great state of Wisconsin. So I made that leap across the border Um, and uh, still a Packer fan, Brewers and Bucks and Badgers, though. I'm still still hold those true to my heart. Um, but I came across the border and uh, started working for a company called Aerotech um, and, and really started in the recruiting and staffing industry, really enjoyed it. Uh, fast forward a little bit. I got a chance to work for the 11th largest software development company in Chicago, um, April of 1998. And what that company did was provide healthcare software as a claims processing software. Um, and that was my introduction to healthcare and really uh, was a really great kind of uh, one-two punch. It was uh, right when client server was was coming into, um, uh, mainframe was kind of going away. A lot of people were starting to hire people that had Java on their resume. Um, it was a fun time, C++, Visual Basic. I mean, you just had these things on your resume and you're getting hired at that particular time. Um, But it was really great because that introduction was happening along with my introduction to healthcare because they owned a a TPA and got a chance to really start to get into this fun world of of healthcare. So um, got a chance actually to write a business plan while I was there for a healthcare staffing business. And You know, again, fast forward again, I got laid off November 3rd, 2001, after September 11th, uh, dusted off the business plan and rented an eight by 10 office in Oak Brook, Illinois, and and kicked off the start of Medics December of 2001. That's a wonderful um, context 
Andrew, for our conversation today. So thank you for sharing that. So when we spent some prep time together, we talked about what's changed from the past in terms of recruiting employees. Uh, so what are you seeing as the biggest shifts? Well, it's, it's a topic in our organization today, and I think there's been a multitude of shifts. And because it's top of mind, Janet, I'll talk to you a little bit about when we started the business, you know, we would run ads in the paper, you know, slowly but surely some ads online came to happen. Referrals were huge. Referrals are still huge. And we would recruit uh, uh, um, in that capacity. And as we've kind of moved forward, obviously technology has played a major role in finding talent, retaining talent, communicating with talent. Uh, there's a lot of different tools out there that that people are are using, but really we are post another big shift, and that big shift obviously was COVID, and the way talent behaves today. I guess I can put it in thirds. There's a third of the people I guess that couldn't wait to get back to the office. I might be a little aggressive there, but I'll say a third. There's another third that for whatever reason said, I think there's an opportunity to have this hybrid approach where I can, I might be a little bit seasoned. I know how to do my job going in a couple of days a week or three days a week for culture and communications, terrific. Um, but that hybrid approach works. And then there's, you know, then there's another third that said, I really like this idea of being home. And so the world of recruiting, staffing, and or finding and, and getting talent interested in your organization, really you have to really zoom out and think differently and creatively about what your culture is, what types of people that you want to attract. And then obviously the, the, the opportunity there for culture and retaining teammates is post that. But I think we're in a very interesting time. And I think we've gone through a few different cycles, but I think COVID really has has really changed the game. Do you have any observations, Andrew? Um, there are certain roles in healthcare that don't have the option to think about being hybrid or remote. So have you seen shifts in recruiting for those types of roles? Yeah, I think the, the, the biggest thing that the biggest struggle, I guess, today is the options that maybe a nurse has today. Um, I'll just use that for an example. A, nur a nurse today has an option to work in life sciences, has an option to work in um, technology, has an option to do telephonic work, where the bedside and or coming in each and every day there are more options, I think, today than ever before. So from a nursing capacity, and there's some others, obviously, we all know that there's some other opportunities for pharmacists and whatnot to have those same types of opportunities. I think that in the healthcare system today, I think getting an opportunity for us to be able to train more people with that associate's degree get them interested in healthcare and get them on a track to be a long-term associate within whatever health uh, a 
clinic or hospital system uh, is is really needed more than ever before. How do you how do you take a person that's not sure that they want to might they, that they want to go to college and get them in a program where then maybe hospital or a system can pay for their education and then they're going to work there for three, four years or whatever the case may be. I think that is a really great option. You know, Janet, there is a program that we're involved with here in Chicago at a hospital, which I think is really interesting. They go to the five or seven worst neighborhoods in Chicago and they take, they have some qualifications. They take kids that are in high school that qualify and they do a rotation in every area of the hospital to get them introduced to healthcare and to see what they might like. And I think it's going to need to start there. You know, more of those, more of those right out of high school type of externships or internships to get people really interested in helping us out because there is a shortage problem, but at the same respect, there's more options today for healthcare workers to go into different avenues for work. So from a recruiting point of view, I'd summarize what you just said, Andrew, in terms of more of the frontline personnel, we're going to have to challenge ourselves to keep reaching back in the talent pipeline earlier and earlier um, is what I take away from what you just said. Yeah. And, and get creative. I think the opportunity to get creative and, you know, I think about, you know, po- you know, again, post COVID, one of the conversations that we have internally that there's different generations of workers today and what can you do to zoom out and attract different folks and get them interested in healthcare? And then what is a quick way to train them in some capacity to make sure that they're qualified, to make sure that they meet standards, but then they can get in. And obviously there's, obviously there's doctors and, 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 and nurses that, you know, it's a four-year degree then some. Right. So we're not talking about that stuff. We're talking about, you know, medical assistance, phlebotomists, support staff that can really get ramped up quickly in support and help. Andrew, you've given us a lot of um, really good information with regards to the strategies for recruiting the new staff. But what do you see different, if anything, related to retaining your existing employees? Yeah, I think I think today everybody talks about culture and, and, you know, for, for us here at medics, it is what saved us through COVID. I don't think culture is something that you can all of a sudden start. If a, if an organization has a purpose, a genuine thoughtful purpose that they believe in, I don't think that when times are a little bit wobbly or difficult, you can't just say, Hey, we're going to start this culture or purpose and expect to, you know, retain their best people. There's, it's never too late to start. But what I think is really important today is being super transparent with your team, letting them know what the culture is, where you stand on issues or opportunities. And then I think what happens is you start to re, you start to retain people that really want to be a part of that culture, those values, that purpose. I think without being transparent, Madeline, and letting people know exactly who you are as an organization, 
sometimes people make up their own story in their head about what's going on at a company. For instance, I'll give you an example here at our organization, something that I'm doing. So every Wednesday from here on out, I'm gonna take a few minutes, I'm gonna jump on, put a little video together and send it out to the organization. Here's what's going on, here's what we're doing, here's some th things that are happening. Because I think it's important that you're transparent, whether, whether things are going great or there's times of strife. And right now, the economy is a little bit wobbly. You've seen layoffs in, in, in the world of, of, of employment. And I think being transparent, being open, and, and really leaning your, your pillars of your organization, I think, are your values and your purpose. And are you really living those as an organization that everybody can see that they're genuine and true? So I think that's that's one big thing is is being super transparent uh, with your team. Yes, you cannot communicate enough during times like this. Um, you mentioned the short videos. I'm really curious how those are are going. Are you getting feedback on that from your staff? We just started. Today is the first one going out. Oh, nice. Um, but, but what I will tell you is during COVID, we, the idea came from during COVID, I did it every week. Here's what we know. Here's what we don't know. Here's what we're doing. Here's where we're going. Let's remind ourselves of the vision. And here's my, here's my phone number. And if you have questions and if you don't know anything or you don't know something or you're not sure about something, if it's not me, there's a whole host of people you can call, but we don't want people making up stories in their head. We want to be clear and, and concise with the information that we do have. Because during COVID, that was a difficult time. And then we stopped doing it, Madeline, because we felt like, okay, COVID's, you know, it's still a thing, but we're still moving forward. No, I mean, you have to communicate. You said it perfectly. You can't communicate enough with your team day in and day out. Andrew. As we think about also going back to what you said with the transition that happened from remote work to hybrid work to in uh, to in office, uh, what does this all mean to a leader in terms of team development and professional development? I think it's the hardest time um, for a leader to really. I, I don't. I, I I think Jim Collins, you know, Jim Collins just talked about in this. There's a, there's a book um, that I, I keep at my desk. It's Turning the Flywheel. Um, and it's just basically, you know, out of good to great. And, you know, I think companies and leaders need to make sure they understand their flywheel in their business and what really turns the flywheel, Dave. I think it's, I think it's really important. Um, but companies are moving, I think, and, and, and this is just my philosophy on leadership. I think you're going to have to have really great teams of leaders working together to grow a business. And I've always kind of thought that instead of having the, you know, the great leader, like the Lee Iacocca or whatever the case may be. And I think it's, it's, it's more, it's, it's as difficult as it's ever been for, a leader to manage an organization if there is all these competing opportunities for workers to choose from. Again, I'll lean back on what I said. 
you have to be really clear with who you're going to be. You know, I think culture, that's what culture is. Sometimes you have to make a decision on, on what that is. And then you kind of put a stake in the ground. You can't be all things to everybody in the workforce. And once you establish that culture, I think then that leader who's managing, let's say it's a, let's say it's RevCycle and it's, you know, that, that, you know, patient access group, or whatever the case may be, that group knows that here's the philosophy, not only of the, that health system or hospital, but it's the, it's the philosophy of that manager. Here's who we are. Here's our identity. And here's how we're going to roll every day. And, and I think that really helps, but I think it takes more of a group effort to manage today than ever before, because people need to be on the same page because there's a lot of ideas and a lot of thoughts today of how you should manage something, how you should run something. Our organization, for instance, there's some people that call me and say, I don't understand why we just can't stay remote. And there's people that call me and say, hey, I think I can do my job hybrid. And then and there's other people that say, I want to come in because I want to be with people. In healthcare, you don't have that choice. Like Janet said, you have to be there every single day. So if you're going to onboard people and want to retain them long-term, again, transparency, a group effort of leading, which means to me that you have a lot of people who know what page we're on and what page we're turning to. And I think transparent, transparency and reward and recognition uh, on, a, on a daily basis, I think is really important um, if that's what, what the teammate wants. Or some people, you got to get to know them. They don't want that uh, uh, to be, that, they don't want, they don't want people, their names shouted out that often. So. And as I just want to build on that a little bit, because as I think about, okay, so I'm a leader, what skill sets do I need to do what you just described? And it's really doubling down on some soft skills that um, we have to be more intentional about and not just assume. Um, so what soft skill threads would you say a leader that is trying to build a team Stitching it together, hybrid, remote, on-site, um, what in particular? I think we talked about one of them already, but what would your reply be? Yeah, yeah, we, we, we have a product here at Medics. It's called MyPrint, and it assesses soft skills and in individuals uh, and allows you to, to understand your team really, really well. And for me, it's, you know, I tell people all the time, we have great teammates that have all different types of of soft skills, um, but they all believe in the values and the purpose and the vision of where we're going. You know, Janet, there, there's a there's a couple books that I really lean on really hard from a leadership perspective that allow me day in and day out to keep focused. One is a book called From Values to Action by Harry Kramer. And it's the four principles of value-based leadership. And Harry talks a lot about self-reflection, balance, true self-confidence, and genuine humility. And those, those pillars, I think, are incredibly important because for me, it, it, that particular book, everybody on my team knows that that's kind of my business Bible. Like that's what I lean on to allow me or help me to lead and people read it and we collaborate on it and talk about it. 
The other one is a book by a, a Wisconsin gentleman, Steve Jones, called The Twin Thieves. And he talked about the twin thieves a lot of times in our life are um, uh, fear of failure and fear of judgment. And we're in a world today where, you know, soft skills are soft skills, but mental health is a real thing. And, and, and a lot of people are online seeing, seeing all sorts of things. I had, I had a neighbor tell me the other day that, boy, you know, I wish my life was a little bit better. You know, I, I was online yesterday and all these people are taking vacations and whatnot and so on and so forth. But we had a really great discussion around, you know, don't believe the pictures that you see type of deal. So um, I think it's I think that your team needs to know that it's really important when you're leading, when you're managing kind of what your beliefs are and what what you're what you're doing to 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 really be transparent on on the information on how you're leading. So um, those are just a couple of things that came to mind when you asked the question. Um, but as far as as far as the soft skills, yeah, I mean the assessment helps our teams because we 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 have a fun way of putting everybody up on a screen and it shows a collaboration report of who would get along with who and um, you know who's who's a little bit more like this or who's a little bit more like that and our, our HR team will take whole groups like the you know let's say it's a you know let, let's say it's a med surge floor and and there's like a little team building event and when they get a chance to do stuff like this people start to laugh because that yes that's Dave's personality and and, and he does behave that way but they also get to see if you want to communicate great with Dave, these are kind of the soft skills that really help in the communication with him. And we use that a lot internally. We use it with customers because we're not the same. You know, my kids tell me all the time, yeah, dad, thanks for the advice, but I'm not like you. You know, I'm a little bit more introverted. I won't do that. I'm not going to put myself out there, you know, so really getting an under, a good chance to understand who you're working with and then respect those soft skills and know those things ahead of time. So you understand, yeah, the person I collaborate with every day, you know, Janet is more like this. And I, and, and, and I understand why maybe she doesn't want to come to the happy hour or whatever is going on because there's other things that are important to Janet or whatever the case may be. So. I'm going to switch gears a little bit, um, Andrew, and then I know uh, David and Madeline have a couple other angles they want to cover, but um, what's your perspective in the landscape that we've just talked about of how employee engagement surveys fit in to that new landscape of work? Yeah, so we 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 have a group that we've used for a very long time um, that it's a third party employee engagement group. And obviously there's standards that are best in class. And, and we have always wanted to chase best in class. We've always wanted to kind of be at that, at that level. Um, so, you know, we use that third party to come in and give us information. And then we're transparent with the organization on kind of where we are, where we might be falling short, what ideas they have, um, you know, we have 800 teammates here at Medics, so there's there's a lot of really good thoughts on maybe how we're able to um, get a little bit better um, in some areas. 
But then the other thing that we do is we send out kind of on a on a, a weekly or biweekly basis, we send out a, a just a, a quick, you know, temperature. How are you feeling about this? You know, you know, questions like, would you refer someone uh, to medics and see what, you know, what's kind of what, you know, and then and then those groups are kind of able to tell you, you know, based on the question that you're asking, you know, here's the temperature that that, you know, that you're getting back. So I'm I, I think it's incredibly important. Andrew, earlier on, you gave us that really nice, I'll call it a pie chart visual of your breakdown of the various, um, you know, uh, work environments. You have your your third of being in the office, your third of a hybrid model, your third of wanting to work 100% remote. Um, I've read research that states that employees who have connections at the workplace are more likely to stay. Um, you have that stickiness. Um, in the workplace. So what are your thoughts? Best friend, on best friend at work. Best friend at work. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah. We, t- we talk a lot about that. And that, that connection is so important. And that's, that's kind of our answer a lot here at Medics. When, when people say, Hey, I'd rather work remote. We're, we've made a decision to say, Madeline, we are incredibly interested in building a culture where we're, building a culture. First of all, you know, it's hard to build a culture when everybody's remote. You can do it and people have done it, but but it's harder. Um, but we want people to come in to get to know each other. Over the course of the last 25 years, I've seen things like I'll walk into the office and I'll see, you know, Suzanne and I'll say, hey, you okay? Yeah, no. What's up? Let's go for a walk. What's going on? And might be someone's, you know, anniversary and they come in and there's like, there's something going on. Or I, I, I've seen over the last 25 years plus people come into the office and having, you know, that best friend at work that I mentioned earlier or that person that they communicate with um, in a different light. My mom was part of a, um, a janitorial crew in downtown Appleton, Wisconsin, at eight associations for Lutherans. And she worked from 3, 3.30 in the afternoon to 9.30 at night. And when she would walk out of that building, Madeline, all these ladies would give each other big hugs and they would, you know, my mom didn't drive, so we went to pick her up from work. And she got in the car and she was always very happy. And they'd have a few dinners a year, these ladies. And it was just for me, over time, I got a little bit older and my mom couldn't wait to get to work. She loved these ladies. It was a sense of belonging. It was a sense of community. Um, She felt like she was contributing to something. And it was a job that a lot of people probably wouldn't like to do. And for me, it's just always been a great example and, and a great beacon, it's not what you do, it's who you do it with. And that's why it's so important that your interview process, your culture, your purpose, your identity, your transparency, all that stuff is there for that teammate to know, here's where you're coming to work every day. And here are the people that you're working with. And oh, by the way, the interview process is, is done in a way we were trying to hire people who believe in a lot of the same things 
so then we can blossom into a really nice culture and that people can have what 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 you mentioned is that that sense of belonging and that sense of community and and all the things that you know i think that that you know that Brene brown talks about and there's studies at princeton and studies at harvard around longevity of life and what they found is the people that live the longest even in the blue zones that they're part of a community that they have a sense of belonging that they don't feel alone and i think it's hugely hugely important so i had a thought as you were um giving us that excellent content uh your response on that question i want to tie in two topics you mentioned earlier so going back to you know recruiting talent and then also uh, retaining. So we have that piece. And then you also talked about the different personality types and you have, you know, those employees who might be a bit more introverted or depending on their personality, they might not want to go to the social, um, those sorts of things. So what strategies have you seen or whether it's um, leaders managing a specific department or perhaps the organization as a whole to help to, um, you know, you have that new employee who needs to build relationships early so they can find their best friend. And then, yeah. and then they, they start to build that um, relationship with those individuals because, you know, that can happen organically, but sometimes you might need to give them a little bit of a push. Yeah, I, I think you have to create situations where people are coming together and, and, and there's basic team building opportunities where people can get a chance to you know, the old fashioned, you know, what is one thing that the team might not know about you and you have, you bring in lunch and then you're, you're, it's collaborative. Um, I think it's really important no matter what, whether someone is extroverted, introverted, um, or, or blends between both. There's a word for that, by the way, you know, it's escaping me, but, um, um, but always start in a small group. I think you always smart start in a small group and sometimes you get the whole department together and or you start in a small group. But I, yeah, I think, you know, I look at, I look at it a lot, even with kids that transfer schools, you know, you're starting all over again. You don't know anybody. How are you going to make that or find that group of friends? And you switch jobs and it's the same thing. You have to go into an environment where people might have a little bit of their lingo. They might have their inside jokes. They might have all that stuff. And you're, you're, you're not in, I think the leader has to recognize that it's not just throw the person into the deep end and see if they can swim or not. I think you have to be super intentional as a leader to say, when I onboard a seasoned person who's already has all these skills and been in some good cultures or maybe some bad cultures, they're coming onto my team with habits it could be a new new person also right out of school, but they're coming onto my team with habits and they don't have knowledge of kind of our, you know, banter in this department. So how do you, how do you do that? How do you, how do you create an environment where you're intentional around maybe birthday parties, happy hours, small groups, you do, you really do have to, be intentional as a leader around onboarding that person in a way where they're just like, here's your cube or here's your, I think it's if with nurses on a floor, you know, they're running back and forth and talking and, and it's kind of, you know, that kind of happens. There's some areas where you, you need to be more intentional 
about it. So, you know, that would be my comments. And and I've seen it more and more where, you know, someone leaves your organization or has left us. We're not perfect. And they said, I just don't seem like I fit in. And I think, oh, my gosh, where did we fall short? So, Andrew, given all that we've discussed today, what's one thing you feel leaders have to do differently today than, say, five years ago? I think more today, the philosophy needs to be it's it's not top down, it's bottom up. And I think your team needs to see that you're in it. You're rolling up your sleeves to your elbows, just like everybody else. And it, there's not a sense of entitlement or top down. I remember when I started in, in business, I was looking up a lot. I knew who the bosses were. I knew who was in charge. And, and if you connect the dots backwards, who did you have the most respect for? You had the most respect for people that put in the time, that were willing to get on one knee next to your desk and say, hey, hold a second. Let me show you how to do this. Hey, are you struggling anywhere? Let me, you know, let me lend a helping hand. Those are the people whether, by the way, those are the coaches, those are the teachers, those are forever in a day. If you think about the people that you respected back in the day, those are the people that you, you tended to respect. I think today, more than ever before, with how the workforce is evolving. Um, something that I thought of earlier on as we were talking about the various um remote or office and hybrid models and, and attracting new talent. Cause I'm starting to hear this a little bit more um, like in my current organization where there's strategies for remote work and thinking outside of the box for some of these roles, like nursing, for example, where they're, they are at the bedside with the patient, but how we can think outside the box and and do things differently to allow those roles to be more remote or have that hybrid. And um, you know, some of these individuals are saying, "Well, we're starting to you know create this for new talent coming in, but what about me, who's already <laughs> you know what opportunities are for me, who's already here, um, and and may, and might want that that same type of structure." So. Right. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah. When you're just starting out in your career, you can't connect the dots backwards to solve stuff if you're not specifically nursing, if you don't get on the floor, if you're not there, if you're not rolling up your sleeves and all of a sudden you have to deal with something that it's actually you didn't think it was would happen or, 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 or some situation. I think as you get seasoned in all jobs, I think that there is opportunities maybe for flexible, more flexible situations. Um, but when we onboard people here at Medex, it's mandatory three days a week. We just went to three days a week. We're not even at five days a week. And I don't think we'll get there. I'm trying. We, we always said in our company, we want to be a lagger. We don't want to be a first mover. We don't want to be the CEO of Bank of America and said, everybody needs to get back to work because it's 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 the right thing for you to get up in the morning and get your ass to work. It's kind of like, no, dude, that's not how this works. You have families and you have people with different situations. You can't just say that. 
What you need to do is collect data, make sure people are producing, move slowly, still hold people to KPIs and metrics. I mean, don't slide on that because they have a job. They get paid every week. And over time, yeah, there might be a situation where you need to go back and whatnot. But to answer your question, I think there needs there needs to be options for everybody. Um, and you're going to have people that want to be in. But if you create entitlements and you feel as an employer, I got to do this because this is what people are asking without asking first, without asking first, what are my values? What are my beliefs? What is the culture of the organization? What am I trying to build? And you, you meet with the powers that be within your organization, establishing that first. And then what programs do we need? A lot of people are like, oh my gosh, what do we do? We, we, need, to, we need to do what that organization's doing because we need to retain people. But what that organization's doing might not fit kind of really the construct of who you are. On behalf of Coffee with the College, we'd like to thank our sponsors. Thanks to our premier sponsors, Epstein U and Architects, HGA, Hush Blackwell, and thank you as well to our preferred sponsors, C.G. Schmidt, Findorf, Paul Render, Nutanix, Plunkett Research Architects, and Quarles and Brady. Um, I, I believe we have a lot of good content um, and you addressed this a little bit, Andrew, but um, maybe any thoughts about being intentional about addressing burnout in the workplace? Yeah, again, for me, there's one particular case of a, a senior leader or last five years that that I knew. And, and there's a couple. This I talked to my wife about this last night in the kitchen, by the way, like it is so important, I think, for a leader also to have for me, you know, I think I have a few different peers and whatnot. Um, my wife doesn't doesn't work out of the home. Obviously, she runs our household, but um, you know, her 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 sometimes her opinion on stuff, Dave, really allows me to have a fresh coat of paint on you know, my binoculars, because I think that all of us get a little bit dizzy sometimes with what we see every day and you need a fresh perspective. But I'll say like, there's been, there's one particular person, but I'll say there's, there's more than that, that somehow in their career, there, there's something going on that they need a break. And so I think that relationship is in the workplace, back to what Madeline said, the relationships in the workplace and really knowing your team well to be able to pull someone aside and say what's going on. During COVID, we were we were completely remote. We had to shut down. We couldn't go into the office. And 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 there were times where I talked to people and they said, I can't be alone anymore. Like I need to be able to come in. I miss my team. And so um, there's different stages of burnout. And the, and the number one thing I see is there's something going on outside of work. And, and guess what? That, that is why we're working. You know, there's, there's only a so there's only a small finite time we're on this earth. And I think it's incredibly important that if you're leading a department or an organization 
they're at, you're able to tell your team, hey, I know that everybody has their own purpose. The purpose of medics is to positively impact lives, right? So we're coming in every day. But at the end of it, I think everybody's trying to impact their families' lives. And when there's something going on outside of work that's impacting your performance, how do you lock arms with that person? How do you have the right programs with that person? And by the way, when there's relationships and a good good communication, you can you can suggest some stuff to people that um, that you know. If you don't know your team, it's really hard to do that. Burnout in the workplace has always been there. I think today with the transparency around mental health, more people are, are, are able to raise their hand, David, and say, I need a break. I need a break. And so. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for your perspective on that. That's yeah. great. Yeah. And sometimes, sometimes maybe, you know, I think our bodies tell us stuff. I think also our minds tell us stuff. Sometimes it's time for a reboot. Sometimes people need to reboot, take some time off and go find the next gig. Some, sometimes it's, hey, I need a sabbatical. You know, whatever the case may be. Again, but it's, you have, you, your leader has to be approachable and you have to be willing to be open to be able to share. So it's a great question. It's a great question. Andrew, on behalf of Madeline and David and our listeners, thank you for being with us today. Um, I just want to take a couple minutes to wrap up a few of the themes from today's podcast. So we started by kind of talking about talent and how what got us here won't get us there in the future. And so from a recruiting perspective, we talked about how we need to keep reaching back in the talent pipeline and get creative. And so I hope some of what Andrew shared will inspire some of you to to think uh, from that angle. Then we talked about retention and the role of culture and retention. And I think it's really important to emphasize one of the things we talked about, and that is in the absence of communication, people will make up stories in their heads. So we need to be very intentional about what we want the stories in people's heads to be and and support uh, a positive story that is part of creating that positive culture. I loved how we talked about that we need great teams of leaders, not the one great leader. And I think that's a, a tape that should be playing in our heads as leaders. Uh, to remind ourselves about our role in developing leaders and also developing great teams. Uh, You also said, Andrew, it's not what you do, it's who you do it with. And so, again, another theme of being intentional about helping people create those connections at work, because that will be part of uh, helping people feel they're living their purpose and also wanting to live their purpose and staying at our respective companies. And then finally, not top down, it's bottom up. And that's our thought for the day. How do we, how do we create uh, that listening um, bottom up that we'll need more and more to be successful in the future? So with that, I'm going to close today's podcast. And thank you, as always, listeners, for tuning in. And we'll look forward to you joining us again next time. This podcast is copyrighted material of the American College of Healthcare Executives, Wisconsin Chapter 2023.